The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. back everybody to another episode of bench with bubba episode 534 got a special guest joining me today as it is now january so baseball best ball season is ramping up you know football they're doing playoff stuff it's fun it's it is what it is but we got some fun stuff coming up over here so i have a special guest from underdog fantasy you can find him on twitter at too much tuma brendan tuma how we doing my friend bubba i want to thank you for having me it was during the pandemic uh, at some point, I was listening to an episode you did about, um, if you can recall, it was 90s. I want to say it was 1998 or the home run chase. It was, it was something like that. Yeah, like a strike. retrospective yep. episode. I thought it was a really cool idea. I really enjoyed the episode. So it's surreal for me to be on with you now. I appreciate it. That's funny, too, because it was me, Toby, and Brock. I remember that episode very well because it was more like pandemic. You know how it goes. We had to figure out anything for content at that point. And as just baseball fans, that was such a wild season with uh, with records we're seeing broken all over the place these days and what could have been and what was and everything. And we've thought about picking new seasons to kind of play with once in a while. It'd be a lot of fun. I hope we don't have to do that kind of stuff, if you know what I mean. But uh, if it comes down to it, I definitely know we'll, we'll dig into some more baseball for sure. But I appreciate the kind words. Um, before we get here, uh, I want to let you plug away. Underdog Fantasy um i'm not gonna say what site this used to be unless i'm allowed to because i used to play there a lot obviously i play on underdog too but it's an awesome format it's to me very user-friendly the app is one of the better apps you can find out there i'm not just kissing up because you're on the show but it's it's one of those where like you know nfbc until you get used to it can be intimidating to some uh the price points are, are very different uh, underdog has got price points for everybody it's got uh, it's super quick. You can do quick drafts, whatever. So I'll give you the floor real quick. Let let you have the floor on underdog before we dig in some more on it. Definitely, yeah. So I think a lot of people come to underdog through football, and that's definitely what we're most known for. We just closed Best Ball Mania three, and you know there's a big, big 
grand prize for that winner. But we also have some really great baseball games, both during the off season and in season. It's best ball. It's tournament based, you know, similar to NFBC, there's overall prize winners. So uh, basically what we have up right now is a $5 contest. It's a tournament. It's called the bullpen. You know, the idea is we're starting to warm up for baseball season and all that. There will be more tournaments, uh, more drafts coming as we get closer to the season. But this is really the biggest thing we have going on right now. And what a lot, a lot of people are talking about when they're referring to underdog MLB best ball right now. So it's basically, you know, similar to overalls in the NFBC. It's like it's a $5 tournament tournament. You have your 12 team draft. And you're competing against, you know, those players. But then there's an overall component where we get into the playoffs for two weeks at a time. There's three playoff rounds. And then ultimately there's, you know, a big winner at the end. And then there's other prize points for everyone who at least makes the playoffs. Yeah, perfect. I, I know I've done the, the football ones a lot and, you know, you get to advance to the next rounds and all that kind of stuff. And it's a blast. And I'm going to get more into baseball this year for sure. Because like I said, I used to play all the different, even the daily stuff on the other. Like it was, it's awesome. It's quick. It's simple. You can do it while you're getting your Starbucks in the morning, whatever you do. Like it's super fun in that regard. But before we get to that, I at least want to give you some, some, some pub here. You don't just like, you're not just behind the scenes with them. You actually produce content for underdogs. So I'm just like, let everybody know what you do in season or even you're doing, you already actually wrote some stuff for the preseason. So what do you got going over there at underdog? Yeah. So I got to underdog about a year ago. I work on the MLB and NFL sports information team. So like we have our Twitter accounts, underdog NFL, underdog MLB. We like to think that we're the fastest and the best with the news. Uh, it's typically the case. Um, so if you are, you know, in a baseball fan and you're just looking for the news or lineups, uh, page we have underdog at underdog underscore underscore mlb uh so yeah i'm doing a lot of that stuff right now a big focus of mine is promoting our best ball games then eventually our in-season games i don't know about you i came from a fantasy background of playing a lot of traditional season long five by five you know manage leagues wave wire every weekend and i love that format i really do but i feel like there's a lot more uh, out there these days than just that type of fantasy. So whether, you know, best ball is a whole nother game. I think when you have good player takes, you can have an edge in best ball. And then there's all these other strategies to it. hundred percent agree. In- Sorry, oh yeah. No continue on. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say too. And then in season, I find, you know, just from what like we do every day, which is, you know, like studying baseball through a fantasy lens, I think that's going to lend itself more and more to prop betting and, you know, I know so many people who aren't even the biggest baseball fans, but they love firing off, you know, some over under strikeout totals or is this player going to homer tonight? And underdog has all that sorts of stuff as well. So um, both off season and in season, I think uh, there's definitely a lot to be doing. Yeah. And that'll lead me to my first shameless plug. One of the biggest reasons I just, I've been wanting to told Brendan off the show that I've wanted to talk to him for a long time, but um, at gaining the edge with myself, Curlin, SP streamer, Mike Simeone and Jorge Montanez, we partnered up with Underdog, and if you use promo code GTE, you get a hundred percent match bonus up to a hundred dollars on your first deposit if you are new to Underdog. And one reason um, I think that's great because we will have best ball content. But one thing you hit on there was the prop bets. We'll have all kinds of things because I do DFS, so that helps like keep you into the focus on prop bets. But I want to plug uh, Simeon because he does his streaming pitchers. He's going to be very good at, at at like strikeout props as you mentioned like really really easy. he's he's so tuned into that that i don't even think i'm going to care i'm just let him tell me what he wants to bet for the day and go from there so i want to plug that along it's it's one thing i think people might not know enough about underdog is it's not just best ball there's a lot of stuff going on and that's 
that's really cool about that as well. Let's get into the best ball, though. We will get to the prop bets later when we get to in-season content. But best ball is where it's at. You mentioned you got the $5 bullpen tournament coming on. It's kind of like the puppy in, fo- in football. Get, get you going in that. Uh, you mentioned it's 12 teams. Can you give us a brief um, kind of idea on what the, uh, the the roster sizes are and the formats in, in these kind of uh, leagues? Yeah, definitely. So it's 12-team drafts, and you take 20 players uh, per draft. And this is something that we talked a lot about this offseason, especially as we're trying to get more serious about our baseball offerings, is should we cater more towards you know, something like the NFBC where it's, you know, more roto based or, you know, more positional based uh, form of fantasy. And we ultimately decided not to. What we like to think at Underdog is it's a low barrier to entry. So, you know, anyone can play. But then if you want to become an expert, you know, there's still the opportunity for that. So our positions, for instance, it's only pitcher, infielder and outfielder. And when I first found out about that, I can say this about underdog. I was like, oh, well, that's not fantasy baseball. You know, there's not as much strategy in there or everything. And I think that's a super valid, you know, thing to think right away. Uh, the DBU get into the game, though, like there, there absolutely is um, a lot of strategy with it. I personally have been approaching it from a macro level analysis first we can get into some of it but like things like outfielders being undervalued for instance like that is the equivalent of avoiding the running back dead zone for people who are familiar with you know football best ball strategy and then from there okay so outfielders are undervalued we want to push them up our draft boards and then from there you know fantasy players can hone in on okay so which outfielders are undervalued and then you can use your individual player analysis you know, to kind of make those decisions. So I think that's like the bit, definitely the first thing to get across to people is that the three positions it's pitcher infield outfield, and it's points based. And I know that can be a turnoff initially for some people, but there's, it presents, you know, this whole other world of strategy of, you know, figuring out the game. No. And I like that about it because I'm glad you guys didn't change. Cause a, you mentioned how it's like opens it up to more people, which is, I think something I try to help preach. It's like, I like playing the NPC, but I also like, I understand the, the price points aren't there. So like, I love stuff like this, like $5 to get into a tournament. It's freaking awesome. I literally, you know, one less coffee a week, one less trip to wherever you go get lunch for the week, whatever stuff like that. It really isn't that hard to do. Um, so that makes it fun. And I also like that you didn't change it too much because it makes your system unique. And that's what gives it the uh, the ability to, I guess, different strategies, like you said. Like you can, you know, focus on your roto formats over here and do this, but then at the same time, you take it over here. You still know the player pool, but it obviously changes. We get, we know the leagues are like streaming towards OBP, which is a big points based type thing. Um, a lot of common players play points leagues, head to head points leagues. That's like a thing that's out there. Like we we use the NFBC a lot because it's like the the common nomenclature, especially on Twitter. But the common fan plays like a head-to-head 10-team ESPN league or Yahoo. Like they're not playing NFBC. So the points base underdog is probably more formidable to those those players. And that's kind of why I want to push that to them and say like, hey. And I even told the Discord for gaining the edge. I said, hey, if you guys have any questions, I'll have Brendan on more times or I'll have more underdog people on. We can make this a thing for you guys to help you to learn things. So I think it's really cool in that regard. You mentioned infield, outfield, and pitcher. It's a 20-player roster. How many, I guess technically it's not starting because it's best ball, so it puts your best players out there, but how many fill your roster that are active rosters? Yeah, so Underdog, it's a weekly game. You know, a lot of fantasy that we play is on a weekly basis. So you start three pitchers, 
three infielders, three outfielders, and then one flex. And that flex can be either an infielder or an outfielder. And then you'd have like 10 bench spots uh, each week. And like you said, it's best ball. So you don't have to decide who starts for your lineup that week. It's just whoever scores the most points that again, you know, can also lead into some strategy. Should you sell out for upside? Should you go for steady floor players? If you took some upside early, should you then combine that with floor late? There's all sorts of things like that. And obviously there's no waiver wire. And like, for me, that was, you know, definitely as I've done more and more analysis on it, that's been a part where there's a big difference, I think, because you really want to make sure your players, are, you only get 20 roster spots and you can't add or subtract to it throughout the season. So you really want to make sure your players are playing. So I keep coming back to the comparison of Luis Ortiz on the Pirates, who if I'm playing, you know, in a 12 or 14 team league with my buddies, like I might take a last round flyer on Luis Ortiz, see if he hits right away. And if not, I'll drop him and pick someone else up. Obviously in best ball, uh, you can't do that. And therefore I don't think that he's the type of pitcher, even though he's an upside pick. And, you know, if he does hit the payoff could be really big. I don't think that he's like the right player for this format. Uh, just because again, you want so much projectability. You want, you know, floor even late uh, in your drafts. Yeah, it's the old nomenclature that we see around a lot. It's uh, at bats, at bats, at bats, innings pitch, innings pitch, innings pitch. Like there's just something about it, even if it's not the quote unquote best quality, like ceiling guy, like you said, just accumulating the points. That's the name of the game. It's just accumulating the points. So even if it's a Michael Brantley who plays six games a week, he's probably a lot better than a lot of other outfielders you're thinking of as like your fourth outfielder or fifth outfielder or something. Like there's there's a lot of viability to that, especially in a format like this. And that's why it's fun to have this conversation, kind of open the mind, I guess, to other um, options besides your standard. Like, you know, take your chance on a Luis Ortiz. Go take your chance on, you know, um, some of the other big Dick Jordan out of St. Louis or some of these other guys that, that are, you know, really trying to make a move. Matt Mervis, if you really think he's going to make the team. But he might not. He might start in AAA. And I have an empty roster spot until whenever that happens. And that could really kill you because if you have three more injuries or something, and yeah, that, that team's pretty much shot. So it's like what risk do you want to take is, is a very, very valid point. Um, back to these contests, uh, the overall ones, especially like the one you have now and some others, um, there's usually like in any overall contest, there's like a limit to how many you could have in there. What's the limit on uh, most of these contests? Like, is it 20 teams, 50 teams, 100 teams? What do you guys have usually? Uh, oh my God. I, I knew I was thinking about this before your recorded. I got to pull it up and make sure that I know here because I can't play in these contests as an employee. They do set up some employee only contests. I hope us. you get to like, yeah, you got to know the system a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But every now and then there's yeah. um, a few things. So um, hold on, I'm pulling it up right here. Okay. So it's, yeah, it's as big as I thought. Uh, it's 150 entries. So that's what I was talking okay. about before about the, uh, and that's like per, per tournament. So right now we have the $5 bullpen up. Eventually we're going to have our $25, the dinger, which is kind of like the best ball mania version of okay. football, but for baseball. And then there will probably be another $5 tournament, but we'll see. There's also just 12 straight up 12 team drafts. If you don't want to do the whole tournament structure, there's various price points for just to do a 12 team draft. Um, but yeah, that's what I was talking about a bit with anyone can play. You know, if you have a buddy who, uh, I know I have a few friends like this who around March spring training right before opening day, they start texting me about baseball. We talk a little bit, but they don't want to be talking about baseball in August and September. But yeah. uh, I do have a lot of friends like that. If you do want to, you know, just fire off some drafts, you can easily do that. But like I said, there's uh, if you want to try to like master this game, you can do up to 150 entries um, in each tournament. You can do, you know, various tournaments There's 
a lot of ways. I like to view it as uh, a portfolio. This is a lot of people, you know, with best ball NFL view it this way as well. Whereas, uh, you know, it's not like you just have your one league and if you miss out on uh, Christian Javier in that one league and he was your guy and someone sniped you on him, like you just don't get him. Mm-hmm. If you do enough volume of drafts, you can say I'm 50% exposed to Christian Javier and that's mm-hmm. kind of where you can get your edge. That's how you can, you know, fade players just by almost never taking them over the course of a hundred drafts. Um, and that's what I find fun about that. And the ADP changes as the off season goes along. Oh, yeah. So you can get, yeah so that's i'm getting a little bit into the weeds with it no that's uh, fine like i love it because this is where it it really gets fun because you mentioned like the adp changes because people aren't playing yet but then they'll start to play so it'll change a whole bunch of things like you mentioned i i laugh because it happens every year like i made a sarcastic tweet the other day that obviously not everybody takes sarcastically but i said oh look football season's over because now we have more people in the in the content world and it's same thing goes for follow like followers all of a sudden they start creeping in because oh it's baseball season now now we want to pay attention and it's the same thing every year just like you're talking about for your underdog uh you know signups come march because you know spring training people are seeing pitchers and catchers and all that kind of stuff you get the itch again and then it's great because like you said the season starts and you can be done with best ball or you can do the end season content um you mentioned the 12 team standalone leagues which is great as well because over at gaining the edge we've already talked about as, as a group of four of us that for the Patreon members we have, we're going to run some 12-team leagues because since they're standalones, we can do that. That's a, a beautiful thing. Like you said, you can just send out some links to some buddies and form your own leagues. We can just play for fun, like have a little you know, in, in-group uh, contest. Not so easy to do on the uh, the best balls. Like If, if you want to do that, I, you basically just go, hey, I'm jumping into this one. If you want to jump in, go quick because it is what it is. But you can still kind of do it. I've done it with some NFC contests already. We filled up like half of them. Um, but that that's kind of the goal. Like you said, is get everybody in there, have some fun, do your things and uh, fill these and they go quick. They go really quick. Even if they're slow, like if it's a slow draft, what are the timers usually on slow drafts? If, if you, you know, off the top of your head, I, I know like, you know, two hours, four hours or some, but I don't know what you guys got going. Uh, under uh, yeah. So we have um, slow drafts that are eight hours per pick, or okay. if it's um, a fast draft, it's only 30 seconds yep. per pick. So uh, yeah, I've done that myself. Even with some of these employees drafts, I'm like, okay, I'm like just hanging out at the coffee shop. Like you said, yep. like waiting for, um, the coffee to come i'm going to jump in this draft right now and then all of a sudden it's like flying by so yep. um again and that's fine if you if that's how you want to do your one draft but a lot of serious players i know prefer setting up on their desktop having their rankings yep. ready to go all sorts of stuff like that yeah no i've done so many where i'm like bored on on like a tuesday night i'm like yeah i'm gonna jump in another dog real quick i'm sitting on the couch watching something i'm like yeah let's do a quick 30 second draft like and it's fun it's fun it, it definitely works in that regard um you mentioned uh, points-based scoring. For those that are kind of new to points-based, like I use the overall, like OBP is a big factor because you want to walks count, all those kind of things. Can you do like a quick run-through on what exactly we're looking for in this points-based scoring? Yeah, so I will say about the points-based scoring, um, again, like not a lot of people come from, you know, a rotisserie background or head-to-head categories. Uh, we just do points because this that's, you know, just how the game was created here. Um, I will say a very intentional decision we did make is to keep the points the same as last year because things in 2021, our contest was different than it was in 2022. And we're trying to really uh, get this, game off the ground and running and building strategies and content around it again the same i use nfl as an example all the time just because it's been so well established and set up but like every year we're seeing okay people are saying these running backs are overvalued overvalued in this range so don't take them here but then they start going so late now it's like are they a value again and things like that and that's what we're trying 
uh, to eventually get with our baseball game. So it is the same scoring as last year. Uh, yeah, I can just like read it off quickly, but it's, you know, things like three points for a single six for a double eight for a triple 10 for a homer three for a walk two for an RBI two for a run four for a stolen base. You know, that's for hitting. Uh, we do say that hitters only get positive points. There's no negative points for hitters. And then for pitchers, it's, you know, five for a win, five for a quality start, three for a strikeout, three for an inning pitched, and then negative three for an earned run. So pitchers are the only players who can, you know, lose points like that. But unless it's a meltdown outing, you're not going to lose points like that. And when you uh, chalk it up that way, similar to what you were saying, it's all about playing time, especially for hitters, because you're trying to accumulate you know, fantasy points. And then for pitchers, it's a lot about volume as well. It's, you know, innings and quality starts are two huge components of it. So if, if you are taking that, you know, young breakout pick, if they're never going to go six innings, you know, they're never going to get quality starts. And, you know, that's a little different ratios are not uh, as big of a thing in underdog drafts. And that's a great point when you mentioned the quality starts. It stood out to me immediately because I play in two different leagues. Uh, I play in Barf with Mace, Justin Mason and company where it's um, quality starts. And I remember the first year we did that like three or four years ago. It's an eye-opener. It uh, Obviously, you know guys have to go deep enough, but just how many guys consistently do it, it's a lot different than you'd expect. And secondly, um, I'm in an innings pitch league as well. And that's an accumulation of sorts, but it's quality accumulation versus just accumulation. There's a difference between that because you mentioned the, the earned runs. Well, some guys we see go time and time again, will go six or seven innings, we give it five runs. And that's where it's like, well, is that really like, is it, it's not getting your quality start and he's giving you minus 15, like hope he gets the win, I guess. So it's kind of a, a catch 22 there. Um, in that regard, like, and I'm going to hop around now because we mentioned three infielders, three outfielders, three pitchers and, and a flex, which is another hitter. Um, Stick with the pitching for a minute, though, in that regard with the accumulation, the quality starts. I'm looking at the ADP, and they're not going early like compared to what you'd expect with something like that serious. Do you think um, there's a sound strategy behind that because hitting so important, or is that maybe an angle to go? It's like, hey, I'm going to go lock in like two aces right out the gate and lock in quality starts and innings and stuff like that. Yeah. So I will say, you know, especially uh, if people are new to the game or they're familiar with the game and just want to take, you know, their abilities to the next level, there is a, there's a lot of opportunity right now. Uh, there's edges to be had in underdog best ball on uh, for MLB right now, because we're so early one, it's a new game. This is only the second year we've had this format up. So the efficiencies just aren't ironed out. And then two, this contest launched the bullpen, the $5 one launched at the very end of December. And so we're only, you know, a week or two into it. So the ADP has not been, you know, efficiently sorted out either. So now, you know, if you want to start gaining an edge, I think now is seriously the time to hop in there. Like you said, so I'm actually working on an article about this um, coming up, but about pitchers and exactly what you said about aces being a little bit undervalued. Right now, SP12 is going at the end of the fourth round. So basically everyone's SP1 going by the end of the fourth round is not what we're used to seeing in other drafts, but I think there's a real value to be had there what happens at the start is that we sort the ADP by projection and hitters are projected to score more points. So they stay towards the top of most people's drafts if they don't realize, but with starting pitchers, 
like you said, there's not that many these days who go deep into games to get quality starts and wins. So there's just less of them available, available. It's almost like a running back in a football draft. You need to get them early or you're not going to get any production from that spot at all. And even worse than a running back, actually, there, there's not as many breakouts late, like bankable breakouts that you can draft in January and know uh, that they're going to be producing, you know, all summer long. So I think that taking advantage of some of this early ADP with the starting pitchers, not necessarily in round one, but mm-hmm. in rounds three, four, five is uh, a really sound approach right now. Um, yeah. Cause like just for an example to listeners out there and it happened a lot towards the end of the season, like a guy like Spencer Strider, who everybody loves. It was until like late August, he wasn't really a consistent six inning guy. So like every, and he probably will, I'm not saying he won't be this year, but you mentioned the breakout factor. It's like, okay, you're looking for you know, Christian Javier's Luis Garcia's of the world. They're not always going deep. Now a guy like Fran Valdez on the other hand goes deep all the time. He gets over 200 innings. That's a big deal. You know, Alcantara does what Alcantara does and so on and so forth, where that's just kind of a, a different, like even, even Charlie Morton goes a ton of innings, a ton of innings. And no one likes him because it's Charlie Morton, but um I'm not saying go run and pick Charlie Morton, but that's just an example of how he varies in this format compared to like your Roto formats compared to some other elite pitchers who just don't consistently go deep. Like Blake Snell probably wouldn't qualify in this format. No, but um, it, it's just, is, it's a different deep. Yeah. And this is something that Scott White on CBS has talked about, not for underdog, but just for fantasy in general is that some of these older pitchers are being undervalued because a lot of people think, Oh, they're old. They're going to break down. But what we see is that it's the younger pitchers who don't, go as deep into games because they're on all sorts of pitch and innings limits. And the older pitches is just like, they have rubber arms at this point. Like no one's telling Max Scherzer he's coming out at a certain point. You look at Charlie Moore. a great example. Last year, I was really into Adam Wainwright for underdog drafts because I felt confident that he was going to go deep enough into games to get wins and quality starts. Uh, the Framber Framber was another one who was undervalued at this time last year on underdog but the cat's a little bit out of the bag yeah. with someone like him right now. But um, but that's the way you want to be thinking. I, in my opinion, is more of those starting pitchers who are going to be reliable and projectable and less of that person who you might take in a 12-team managed league who you can drop after two starts if it doesn't work out. Yeah, that's a very interesting uh, thought process. That's why it stood out to me the second you mentioned the quality starts because it just changes everything in your head real quick because six innings is not what it used to be anymore. Um, so like, even Shane McClanahan, who everybody loves, like he doesn't – with that – yeah, there's a lot of question marks there too. So that uh, will change things quite a bit. Uh, let's talk uh, hitters here because they are the ones that are projected higher. So they're higher on the ADP list. Uh, you got infielders, you got outfielders like we mentioned. Um Looking at the the you know initial ADP here, it's like Judge Soto, Acuna, J Rod, uh, but then Vlad is fifth because OBP, uh, in my opinion, he he stands out in that regard. But when you're looking at hitters, how do you kind of at first glance before we really dig into the positions between the two, how do you kind of evaluate that when you're going to draft? Because you mentioned you know first second round you can still take a hitter, but then attack pitching potentially. Not saying you have to, but that's an option. How do you go about it? Because obviously you're starting seven hitters a week compared to three pitchers and you have only 20 roster spots. So how are you kind of focusing on hitters in your draft? Yeah, I think my advice for hitters to start out would be either, you know, put underdog scoring into your projection system of choice and see what it spits out in terms of total points or, you know, find an analyst or someone you trust, find their rankings uh, or projections. Because I think the hardest part is 
separating the positions and infield is just infield. So right now I know in like the NFBC, Jose Ramirez goes extremely early because he plays third base and third base is kind of a shallow position. It's shaping up for this year, but in underdog, you know, third base is the same thing as first base. It's all infield first, second, third short and catcher. So there's not as much of a worry there about positional scarcity. And what we're actually seeing is that the positional scarcity comes down to infield versus outfield and that, outfield is much scarcer that's kind of been if there's one if there's been a narrative since this tournament launch that carried over from what a lot of smart people figured out in 2022 it's that outfield is a lot scarcer than infield one of the pieces i had up on underdog network just last week was about this and i put underdog scoring system into steamer projections and of the top 100 hitters that it spit out, uh, just 100 being a round number, 65 of them were infielders, only 35 were outfielders. And then of those, nine of the first 14 were outfielders. So what that creates is this situation where if you don't get an outfielder early on underdog, you're really going to be chasing them in the middle rounds and then the later rounds, you're going to kind of cripple your whole draft. So uh, I think, you know, my very first piece of advice for underdog drafts this year is round one. I just, even if you're taking the seventh outfielder off the board, I just want an outfielder in round one. Cause there's not going to be a lot coming up. That's interesting. Cause yeah, that's even like a conversation point in um, regular drafts right now. And like roto formats is five outfielder leagues, how quick it dries up. And obviously it's in the five outfielder league, but when you're talking points based and, and whatnot, it, it does change things. In a quick, quick way, and I love the point you made on J Ram because like he's my number one in a roto format, but that's because of the scarcity. And obviously, still an elite bat, like an elite talent. And you look at the the projections, um, you know, he's projected for sixteen hundred and forty two points, which is great, but he's you know only the second infielder off the board after pick ten, basically. Um, and that's just because of the outfield depth, as you mentioned. Um, you mentioned taking at least one outfielder early on when you're looking to build a team. Obviously, there's so many formats you can do. What kind of like finishing numbers do you want per position potentially? Yeah, so this is something we actually just ran the um, data behind the scenes um, at Underdog, and I'm still waiting on like the full report to come out of everything that happened last year. So there's going to be uh, a lot more, um, you know, content around that to come out. And that's this game's only going to get more and more efficient. And that's why yeah. kind of figuring some of the stuff out early uh, will lead to a big advantage. I think, you know, the outfield situation is kind of, uh, been you know noticed by a lot of people now and i think what could be next is the aces and starting pitchers what you know you noticed about just look taking a quick look at the adp but uh what i also wanted to mention about you know find your projection system of choice or your favorite analysts rankings and you know strictly look at those points because at the end of the day it doesn't matter where those points come from you just want to score it's not like you need stolen bases it's not like you need to start a third base and a catcher it's you just want to get the most points so whether that means having a perfectly balanced roster of you know eight pitchers six infielders six outfielders or you know going lopsided in one direction is uh it it doesn't necessarily matter and especially for infielders you just want to be looking at you know that points projection total and kind of getting it out of your head okay this guy's a second baseman second base scarce and i know that's tough to do um one thing that the underdog scoring does do by combining all infielders it really kills catchers so like yeah adley's gonna get drafted and you know jt ramuto is gonna get drafted but they're 
value is just not the same as it normally is in regular fantasy. You can almost just like let's like that and relievers. You're not taking relievers, obviously, because saves was not a category involved here. So it definitely changes that mindset as well as we as we do that more and more. So we got our 12 teams. We got 20 players, infield, outfield, pitcher. We got points based. Um, you mentioned guys build portfolios. Obviously, you can't build a 150 team portfolio where where you where you work. But um, what have you heard potentially? Like what are are there are like there certain percentages guys are looking to do? Is there certain like strategies you've seen be more successful last year that they might not carry over this year because things change? But is there like a a format or a strategy that people are trying to hone in on? Yeah. So I don't want to uh, you know speak in absolutes if I don't have like the exact data and everything. And again, like this stuff is all coming, and that's why I think we're at a point in these drafts where there's a lot of value to be gained if you can figure some of this stuff out. So uh, answering your other question though about like how many of each position should you take? I think that a lot of people's natural assumption is to go balanced. And I think that's totally fine. It's viable, but you also don't have to. Uh, Something in football that a lot of people talk about is drafting as if you're right. And if you're going to go with a bit of like a hero RB build, you're going to take one or two running backs early. Then you're just going to fade that position because if those running backs don't work out, there's no point in getting running backs later because your best players aren't already aren't working out. And I think there's a case to be made for that with outfield. I think if you do get one of those top picks in a draft and you can secure, you know, especially like a judge or Soto odds are he's going to be giving you points every single week. So I would say that you could draft less of that position and then load up more on taking, you know, uh, a lot of shots at infield where, you know, you just want to keep rolling the dice to get the top three scores. The best way to learn a language, immersion, living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts that help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Each week. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a ton of sense. And that kind of led me to one of my questions I wrote down here. Um, you mentioned you, know, you don't really want to punt a position, but in football, there's the zero running back strategy. Have you heard of anything like, you know, I doubt you go zero outfielder, but do you go like, you don't want to go zero ace pitcher because you know you lose quality starts. But have you seen a strategy where guys are like, I'm just going to punt this one thing and go with like that zero approach? Yeah. So infield is definitely the spot to, to wait on because as we've talked about just in this little bit of discussion, uh, and again, this is, you know, what I think is right to do. And, you know, pretty soon I'm going to have all like the exact data and information to back it up. That's, uh, I just didn't want to, um, you know, come out and say we saw this percent of teams win using the strategy and whatnot, but that's, what's cool about best ball too. We've seen a lot of that uh, on underdog 
you know, kind of that macro level analysis of the positions to draft. And then it's on the individual player to say, okay, I know I want to take a starting pitcher in this spot who is going to end up being better, Justin Verlander or Spencer Strider, things like that. So um, I think, sorry, what was the, I lost my general thought. Like the zero running, the zero running back approach. Is that, is there anything similar to that in the baseball side of it? You said infield would be the way to go, but is there like a, have you seen it be like, I guess successful is not the right word, but have you seen it be utilized often? Yeah. I think like the dream scenario, if you're starting a draft right now is to get an outfield, at least one in your first round, uh, Brian Reynolds ADP is like 26.1. Like that's what I'm talking about. Like the outfield was getting pushed up like that. That seems really crazy to that's me. Wild. Um, that's and wild. you don't want to be, you know, reaching for those outfielders, but what happens if you do take, you know, if you get the sixth pick and you take Trey Turner, then you're going to come to a point in rounds three or four where you're like, Oh, I don't have much outfield and mm-hmm. there's none out here. So I would say the dream draft scenario right now is to get like one or two outfielders in your first couple picks, just secure the best ones. And then, start mixing in infielders and ace pitchers. The thing about infield is that uh, I'm going to post this graph on Twitter tomorrow. It's a bit of like a trend line over. Mm -hmm. It's like ADP on the X axis and then points scored on the Y axis for pitchers, infielders and outfielders. And what you see is that the infield, it stays kind of level throughout, especially late in the draft, taking an infielder in round, you know, 13 versus round 18 isn't going to be that big of a difference, but taking a starting pitcher in round 10 versus round 18 is going to be an enormous difference. So there's kind of an argument to be made that you can always wait an extra round on infield, but what you're going to want to do is make sure you got, you know, at least one or two outfielders early, make sure you get your aces and then be mixing in infield throughout. Don't completely ignore it, you know, but uh, just mix them in throughout. No, that makes a ton of sense. Don't like ignore, ignore, but you can definitely play the game a little bit. I think it's one thing like I love doing. I know I'm not the only one. A lot of people do this to play fantasy sports is you go through ADP and you try to find hidden values and this, that, and the other, where to jump them in 80, when to jump them around or two per se and whatnot. Um, obviously, if you're doing a 30 second draft, plan ahead. Um, if you're doing eight hours, you got time to tinker with it. But you mentioned the Brian Reynolds thing, how quickly he comes up there. I guarantee you anybody that's new to this would not have thought that. That was, would not even have been an option. So it's good to probably go through that ADP a couple times just to get an idea of where things go. Um, you may have answered, said this already, and I apologize if you didn't. Um, the projections that are kind of how the, the uh, ADP is based there, you've mentioned Steamer and some other things. How did you guys come up with those projections? Is that the ones you got from Steamer you're talking about, or is that a different format? So at the very beginning of the tournament, I ran everything through Steamer just okay. to get like a base idea and value. We have since then pivoted to like a third-party projection system provider so what you'll see in the projections in your drafts right now for each player isn't uh you know it's not steamer it's not it's like our um own projections with you know our stat provider and all that stuff so uh what i think is good about that is then you know this is something that i'm doing once you know the bad x comes out is i'm going to run underdog scoring system through that and you could do atc projections again whatever your preferred projection system is i I think that that that's going to be a way to get an edge what i like about us having our own right now and not using another publicly available one is uh you know i'm looking at the projections right now for some of our players and there's you know some that i just straight up don't agree with and again this tournament's only been out for two weeks so if you can identify those and take advantage by either targeting them late or fading them early i think 
uh, there's, you know, money to be made in that sense. Um, I know a lot of players that do five by five leagues, especially Roto, like when they're drafting, they'll have like a spreadsheet of like targeted numbers. They want to finish the draft with and home runs and RBIs and all that. Um, we look at the projection numbers on the ADP, you know, Aaron Judge is projected for 1,601 points, so on and so forth. Is there like targets you guys think people should aim for when they're drafting for like, I don't know if positions are the best, but maybe like an in-game target to be competitive in your league. Like we talk about the upper like 75th, 80th percentile in, in leagues to, to cash. Do you think there's a number we should potentially target to finish at based on the projections uh, for these drafts? I, I love this question so much because it's going to lead to more discussion and debate and discourse over, you know, the optimal strategy to take. And I know I'm like teasing all this data I'm about to get from this past season, but like when it does come, we're just going to have so much to play with. And the whole thing is going to be um, released publicly too it, on underdog network for people to download themselves and play around with. I know there's some uh, content creators on Twitter who have done that with underdog, both baseball and football uh, data in the past. So um, I think I don't have those numbers right now, but I think that's the type of edge that if someone figures out, you know, what to be aiming for, that is, yeah. uh, something that someone should be doing. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of what I was wondering. Cause it's like, it's, we kind of look back at like historical data and it's like, okay, this is usually the rough number here. This is usually the rough number here. So on and so forth. We use our steamers. Uh, the bad X is coming out this week, uh, later this week. I heard that means ATC is coming out like the week later. So all your, your projections that we all like to use. Um, and then people try to like, you know, put them in their systems and everything's way past my pay grade, but, uh, they, they're good with computers and they figure all that out. And that's why I was thinking this is an edge and this is where my brain goes. That's why I wanted to talk to you about all this is, um, I know there's an angle to try to quote unquote, exploit the system if possible. Um, I'm not quite there yet to figure that out, but maybe I can point, point someone in the right direction to figure it out for us. But, um, it, it's very interesting looking at all that and uh, trying to figure out the optimal because it's just so different as we talked about. Like, and that's what I like about, it. like I said, it's the points based. It's the roster. The roster more than anything is what gets me. Like, that's what makes it so different because we can play points. We know points. If you're into fantasy, you can figure out points. So if you don't, then you just, in my opinion, no offense, anybody's stubborn. You just don't want to try to learn it. Like, it's it's really not that hard. If you watch baseball and like fantasy baseball, you can figure out points pretty easily. It's the format. It's the, the three infield, three outfield, the flex, and three pitchers. That's where you have to maximize things. And that's where it really the strategy, I think, comes into play in a big, big way. Um, when you're looking at uh, early drafts so far, per se, or any early data you have looked at, are there any players that really stand out to you that, like you mentioned, Brian Reynolds goes early, J-Ram goes 10th, which would surprise people. Are there any uh, players that kind of stand out to like, wow, they're going late or wow, they're going way too early. Like you don't have to give away all the secrets. I know you mentioned there's certain things that stand out to you, but just for like the novice players that might be listening to this, is there anything that, that, that kind of stands out or maybe something they can look at to help them figure out what stands out? Yeah, I think uh, this is kind of what I consider, you know, the really fun part. I think it's fun to talk about these macro trends and, you know, the, the, fall off from SP 36 to SP 72 is bigger than outfield 36 to outfield 72. So like those are the big picture ideas again, you know, outfield first round mix in some aces that are undervalued right now infield late, that sort of thing. And then it's like, okay, great. But which players should you actually be taken? Because I find I myself spend so much time on, you know, league wide trends and all this stuff. But at the end of the day, it's, you know, the players you need, uh, to win are going to be the ones who perform the best. Like all this data was great going into last year, but if you had Aaron judge on your underdog 
team last year, you know, odds are you advanced to the playoffs and probably had a good season. Same with Paul Goldschmidt. He's someone who, if anyone had identified, there was no macro level trend to suggest that Paul Goldschmidt was going to be a league winner for underdog drafts. But if you had taken him, even though infield was deep around the point in the drafts that he was going, then again, you did very well. So um, I think those are things to keep in mind in terms of actual players though. That's like, what's the most fun part to talk about and what I'm going to spend, you know, most of February and March on is honing in on, you know, players. That's what we all do. Right. We all like to say like, Oh, like last year for me, like Shane McClanahan was my guy going into the Mm -hmm. year. And I just like loved him. I was touting him, you know, he ended up working out for me, but it doesn't always work out that way. I thought, uh, again, like the first place that my mind goes to is some of these pitchers. Uh, it feels like within, fantasy baseball Twitter right now, everyone is staking their early claim to Christian Avier, who I mentioned already, but he's one who on a site like underdog, just like the hype hasn't caught up in the sense of where he's going, you know, on the NFBC right now. Yeah. Sorry. I'm looking at ADP can continue on here, but one just stood out. How's Kevin Gossman going 73rd behind these guys? Yeah, no. So like Kevin Gosman's <laughs> SP twenty right now. Like he goes, Kevin Gosman's going like one pick before Anthony Santander. So <laughs> okay, there's a bunch of guys down here I'm already liking for uh, quality starts. This is fun. I'm gonna start drafting here pretty soon. But sorry, continue on as you were. <laughs> yeah. So I think um for so like again, Christian Javier is like an uh, easy one where just even though he's not like necessarily like a quality starts darling, at least he hasn't been yet. He's just someone who he reminds me a lot of McClanahan as someone who can kind of like take that leap into uh, the next stratosphere. So anyway, it's a long way of me saying I haven't done. um, I've been so focused on these bigger picture topics that I haven't even done, you know, a full audit of like what ADP looks like. I'm again, scrolling down Corbin Carroll. um, Seems like he's going like decently late and uh, he's hopefully going to lead off every day and, accumulate a ton of plate appearances and walks and all that stuff. Vinny Pasquantino is going, has an ADP of 97. That is, you know, uh, <laughs> seems very exploitable. And then, yep. yeah, like a guy like Logan Webb down here at 107.6. There's, um, and these guys are all going way after Anthony Santander, who we just talked about. And that's yep. why I think you got to get those outfield early. If, you know, it takes one or two drafts, I think. And then a lot of people will, you know, start really picking up on this. And obviously these, um, these pitchers we keep like I'll, I'll remind people they're they're going so much later because these hitters are getting pushed up obviously and that's what we're seeing in the NPC right now too like there's not a lot of early pitching going on but i have a feeling like in fpc that'll change as we get closer to the start of the season and people start seeing these inadequacies or differences as you mentioned and, and we can start uh you know picking it apart a little more i should say so like yeah just looking at some of these pitchers down here you mentioned logan webb like um you know, Kershaw's kind of broken, but that's interesting. But like, uh, you know, Charlie Horton is down here at 130. We mentioned him. Uh, you got some young guys that were really good towards the end and it down here super late. Um, well, so like it's 12 rounds to you know, 240 round draft. Like, some of these guys are going way late in these drafts. This is interesting. Um, any hitters that kind of stand out to you? You mentioned Santander. Um, you know, we have it, um, actually, let me ask you this question. Is there multi-position eligibility? Are there any infield or outfielder combos? 
Oh uh, yeah, that's another great question. Um, and I was I wanted to address Shohei Otani. Um, well, in this as well. So yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. So there's no multi-position eligibility. I know there are some other you know sites and platforms that do draft and hold that you know still have that multi-position el- eligibility. And in my opinion, those players are you know gold in formats like that. But we just have the one position, whatever they're listed at, is what they are. We combine DHs with outfield. So like JD Martinez is an outfielder. He'll just show up as outfield. Shohei Otani, because he's a DH, shows up as outfield and he's just a hitter for us. Yeah. It's 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 just one of those like stat provider things that like I wish it wasn't that way. I want to find a way uh to like change that in the future. But um for now that's that's the way we do it. As you um as I just wanted to piggyback on what you said about you were like scrolling down. So yeah, if you want to get an idea for like players who are going undrafted, it's about uh two forty and ADP that 240 players get drafted. So that's when you'll see, um, you know, the fall off. And then basically everyone just has like the same ADP. I would say there's definitely a case to be made uh, to scroll down at the end of your draft. Let's say you're in round 1920. One thing that can help a lot in an overall contest, if you're doing one of the big tournaments is uniqueness. So let's just say that you are in round 20 and you pick the first person in the queue, a ton of other people are probably picking that player. So even if your team does well and you make it to the finals, someone else might have that player. But if you scroll down where there's not going to be a huge difference in projection anyway, and you take someone who maybe it's, you know, a prospect right now. Cause like at this time last year, who would have thought, you know, Julio would have been on the opening day roster or, whether it's a prospect or just an upside pick you like, or just someone you think is undervalued, don't be afraid to scroll down at the end of the drafts because being unique and having a unique setup is a really good thing because it'll help you separate if you do get to those final rounds of the tournament. And again, that's another reason why like, yeah, if you get the first pick and get Aaron judge, maybe you have a build where you only go three or four outfielders uh, and then you just load up on, you know, infield or something, whatever it is, but yeah, don't be afraid to be unique as, you know, another uh, little bit of advice for anyone starting out. Yeah. And um, I'd really recommend people check out OBP more because just looking at, uh, I just have the infielders queued up here and it'll really make more sense why certain guys are going much higher than they usually go. Like, and I'm a big fan of like say Reese Hoskins, he's an OBP machine, Corey Seager, he moved up here. Um, One that stood out a bunch. If you look at the outfield, um, the where do you go? The tenth uh, outfielder off the board is Kyle Schwarber at an ADP of sixteen. So, like, you, you wouldn't see that in a five by five league ever. He's going literally in the second round of these drafts. So, Keith, it's a combination of the outfield going early and the OBP skills that Kyle Schwarber brings to the table. So, things like that to uh, to run through there. Um, anything else that stands out in best ball that you'd like to discuss before we kind of talk some in season talk? Because uh, this best ball, it's going to be great. Like we'll probably talk again sometime as, as things change and uh, more data comes out and whatnot. But uh, it's just talking to you br- briefly so far. There's so many nuances to it. There's so many ways to attack it. There's so many things to dig in on. <laughs> like there's a, there's a lot to it, which is fun, which is part of the game. It uh, it makes it definitely a strategy based thing. Which or just make it fun. Five bucks. Go go do your thirty second draft. Is there anything else on the best ball you'd like to discuss? 
Yeah, so I think eventually, as we get close to March and April, there'll be a lot more discussion about individual players. And, you know, that I always say like, that's the fun part. Right now, my brain is such in the headspace of we got to figure out, you know, the big picture trends. But the only other thing I'll say as a case, because this is what I'm writing about right now, hopefully publish it later this week. But the case to be made for some of these aces early just to, you know, get people to try to conceptualize why the aces are so important is because on a season long level, the hitters are going to score more than the pitchers, but on a weekly level, it's not uncommon for an ACE pitcher to have a dominant start and be one of the high scores for the week. And then if you have a two start pitcher who has two dominant starts, that is what really tips the scales in terms of making your team really dominant. So uh, the reason that I like having so many aces early and not even worrying about, you know, Luis Ortiz and those late round, you know, upside picks is because if you can start stacking dominant starts on a weekly basis and you just get some cluster luck and they all come at once. And then if you can do that with like two start pitchers, uh, you'll just see the points on a, again on a weekly basis uh, start piling up really, really fast. I like it. I like it a lot. And uh, just a reminder to people, you can play the best ball for the season long. Don't play 12 team leagues, individual leagues for the season long. It's not all best ball. Same format though. So get used to that. But uh, there's obviously more risk you may want to take for the overall type thing at the same time, maybe more security because you want that to count those innings and those at bats. It's kind of a catch 22 in that regard, but um, you can do both, do both and have a lot of fun there. Um, let's shift to in season, which I think is something that I don't like. I think people at least know best ball when it comes to underdog. I don't think people understand how much is offered in season, especially with baseball, because football's king in anything you do, not just underdog anything. That's just the reality of it all. But with baseball, you, you still have your your uh, individual tournaments, daily tournaments. What, what are you guys offering? It's, it's just daily. It's not like weekly or monthly. It's just daily, right? Yeah. So um, there is some daily contest like every day during the baseball season uh there's two things there's um drafts like just you know nightly daily drafts like hey i'm in with six other people you draft you know one or two starting pitchers and then four hitters and just whoever scores the most points and those are fun on a um daily basis because uh if you can identify the best matchups you know obviously not for the season we're, for best ball we're talking about you know season long projections but for a daily contest, it's, it's really just that night. So um, there's all sorts of different sizings for those daily drafts and depends on the slate, all that stuff. Uh, and then the pickums, which I'm personally the most bullish on, not just on underdog, but just kind of, you know, within the fantasy space. I think uh, I got a big football background too. And we're seeing, you know, player props both on the season long and daily weekly level just be, so interesting i think we're seeing a lot less fans approach sports and therefore fantasy sports from such a loyal team perspective and more from a player analysis perspective uh just the younger generation coming up and up so anyways again that's just a long way of saying that like our pick'em slips whether it's you know okay sandy alcantara over under six and a half strikeouts and then i'm going to parlay that with juan soto over two and a half total bases I think is going to be uh, a real big thing that we're going to see not just on underdog this year, but everywhere. And uh, it will be offered on underdog though. Awesome. I can't wait to see more about that. Cause like I said, I know there's the, the K props and some other props. So I was aware of that, but 
you mentioned like kind of the pick them that you're doing kind of almost like a parlay type setup. There's other systems that do similar things right now. Obviously it's, it's everywhere, like you said, and um, it's the way of the world. Like people don't want to use the, the B word, but sports betting is becoming bigger than fantasy in reality. That's just the, the brass tacks of it all it sucks for guys like myself. I love fantasy and other people, but sports betting is taking over the world. It's just kind of how it goes. And hopefully fantasy kind of keeps going with it. Let's just, let's just hope that's the trend. Um, but it, it kind of goes hand in hand in reality. If you, if you're doing the right research, you should be able, like you said, if we're grinding like we grind all season and in season, the daily sports betting should help too. That should be all part of the the deal. So that that's very very interesting. Um, I guess for the the in season content, you you mentioned um, you mentioned the prop bets, the daily things, the matchups. Where there's like three, isn't there? Like there's head. You can do like head to heads. There's three team. There's all different sizes, right? For the daily matchup deals. Yeah, and I should add that this too is going to be something that it's, in my opinion, such in its infancy that anyone who you know starts figuring out. Uh, the edges is going to have. So whether that's like, you know, Michael Simeone, the SB streamer with you guys, if he just, you know, finds the right uh, balance to strike of when to take overs or unders or what like the mark is for too high of a total for, you know, underdog or any other uh, site to have. um, There's just going to be a lot of money to be made in that sense too. And I think uh, what you said about fantasy and, you know, sports betting or pickums going hand in hand is so many fantasy players already do the hard work. It's yeah. I'm grinding waivers in July and Andre Semenez has been on a heater for the past month. And so that's someone who you should maybe be t- taking their pickum slips, you know, as that, as long as that is going on because uh, people aren't catching up to it on a, you know, sports betting or pickum slip level as much as they are, you know, necessarily in your NFBC main event. No. And that's what's, uh, yeah, that's what I love about it. Cause like I said, I do a daily Monday through Friday. I do quick hits for DFS. I go over the DraftKings slate and then that'll obviously correlate. I'm going to bring underdog stuff into it this year because with GT and everything, I can like do a couple props. I like or whatever that, that brings up my question. When do the props for the following day go up? Uh, Usually, I know it's different. I know it's different, but like sometimes I record the night before and they're not up, but sometimes they are. So, like, do you guys have like a rough idea when they usually come up? Type deal. Yeah, um, that's a really good question. I'm gonna reach out to someone about that. And I'm gonna DM you on the side to get okay. you that answer. Uh, yeah, because it varies for everywhere and day to day. I get it because sometimes you want injuries. You don't want to like, throw out a number and totally get screwed. Where like everyone, like right now today, LeBron got announced out like midday. Well, there were prop bets in the morning with LeBron playing. Obviously, like then they just took everybody off the board and it changed. So like when you have stuff at night and you don't know the starting pitchers and all that, I, I get it. I get where it makes it, it tricky. Like so, I'm not trying to pressure you on this. I'm just curious uh, as a content creator side of things. <laughs> so so one thing I'll plug uh, about Underdog then, which is a big part of what I do on a daily basis, is so we have that account at Underdog underscore underscore MLB. Uh, we you know think we're the fastest in the industry at getting the news out. And last year we really focused on lineups. Um, mm-hmm getting lineups at who's playing, who's not playing. And I think what we found is a lot, again, we're already doing so much of the hard work is we were starting to really pick up on, um, you know, players returning from the IL players going on the IL, all sorts of stuff. So if, you know, anyone listening is time sensitive in terms of getting this information of a prospect being called up or a player going on the IL or a player returning, uh, I really recommend following underdog MLB, 
um, because I, uh, I know our process for the news and how it works and how seriously we take it. We have the NFL account as well, but um, I'm pretty sure we're going to be first on, you know, most everything that goes down in season. And this is not me kissing Brennan's butt here, but I will second that because there's not a lot of apps I have alerts set for, but MLB and their NFL app, I have both of those. That re- Every time there's an injury, if there's a lineup, like I get that alert and it is literally before – like you see a Jeff Passon tweet sometimes, like, or it's almost simultaneously. So it's like literally they're on it right when it happens. So I use it all the time because, you know, we can't sit on Twitter 24 seven and wait for everything to happen. So I get an alert, boom, boom, done. And it's just, it helps with so many things. It's, it is by far, I've done this for a long time. I've tried to follow many other apps, I'm not going to name names or accounts on Twitter, I should say, by far the fastest ones and most accurate ones. I'll say that much. They at least, check before they just start throwing information out there so i will say that for sure that um, he's not uh, he's not lying to you it's uh, it's actually one of the better ones out there by far so definitely all right um before we get to listener questions do you have anything else for underdog baseball before we do listener questions because i have one other question non-baseball related but do you have anything else you'd like to cover on the baseball side of things before we head on out of that um i think that's everything for now i'm otherwise um I forget if I even said this at the top or if you did, but I'm on Twitter, like at too much Tuma. And I think um, this conversation around all underdog uh, best ball for baseball. And then, you know, once we get to the in-season stuff, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that part of it because I'm just trying to surround myself with as many smart people as possible. Baseball, fantasy, baseball, underdog wise, all three of those things. And I think when you do that and you just start hopping into conversations, doing a little bit of your own research, that's where you can really grow. And that's where, again, there's a lot of people who uh, this time last year, the outfield thing wasn't as well known. And a lot of people did really well and made a lot of money because they figured that out. And I think, you know, the aces are next and, you know, who knows what's going to be after that. So, um, I'm just excited for more of the conversation to be had. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. And again, like I said, if when more things come out that we can talk about, um, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, to chat with these marks. It's a very, it's not a new product, but it kind of is new to the baseball world. So I think it's very enticing and it should be used more often. So I was very excited when Mike Curlin proposed to to us as a group. I'm like, uh, yeah, guys, like I used to kind of do stuff on the side way back when with the football side. I'm like, yeah, do, do this. It's just to do it. Don't be stupid. So I, I, was, I was very much in line with that. Before listener questions, though, you have football and baseball are kind of the popular ones that you run. Obviously, basketball's big. You guys have other sports too. Do you want to mention anything else? I know you don't run the other sports, but there's like for not for for all people out there, there's more than just the the main ones. You could play this all day, almost everywhere, doing anything. <laughs> I know the the con- the comment you had about football being king. It just rang so true to me. Anywhere I've worked, fantasy wise, that's been as a mm-hmm. uh, I love football. Um, Baseball is my number one. And as a Uber baseball fan, it's been beaten into my brain that, you know, football is yeah. king with a lot of the stuff, but, yeah. uh, but baseball is coming and, you know, baseball has its time in March, April, May, especially. Yeah. So um, yeah, we had a, a ton of coverage with the world cup. I mean, any sport that you want to um, think of, we have like a news account for. So we have uh, underdog NBA, we have underdog golf, we have underdog uh, soccer, and there's all sorts of, you know, interesting games that we have for all those sports as well again i don't don't know anything about golf or soccer but i know that a lot of people really like you know the news accounts and the games we offer for it um golf seems like it's becoming really popular it's picking up it's picking up a lot and then um again i'm not an nba guy at all but our underdog nba twitter account is like it's even crazier than the football one um mainly because of the you know team who runs it but 
um you know pe- people people love nba for the day-to-day stuff yeah i just want to plug that for anybody that's listening that wants to try underdog it's not just baseball not just football there's tons of things use promo code gte for 100 percent off uh match match of a first deposit up to 100 bucks with the gte all right um I'm just going to say MLB moving average. Big John Studd has a question because he does a lot of research. He's one of the smart ones. He spends a lot of time on this. He's dug into the outfield. He knows all those things. So he says, he says right now it's all about the, the press for outfielders, as you mentioned. If you drop pick 10 through 12, though, you have a big decision. It's hard to pass on J-Ram and Trey to push up a Rosarena and a sub-800 OPS is wild in the underdog streets what would you do on the wheel? Like, what would you recommend when you see it? Cause you kind of mentioned it. It's like, okay, you need to leave with at least one outfielder. So that's kind of, I think where you're going with this, like take J Ram, take Trey, one of the two, grab an outfielder. But I guess what you're saying, it's tough to stomach pushing on a Rosarena above these guys. So I guess we kind of talked about it, but what do you, what do you say on that? Yeah. I want to give John a shout out because uh, when I first got to underdog last year, I was seeing, okay, who's making baseball content for our games. And they're, wasn't a lot of people, but uh, John was one of them and his articles popped up. So I, I definitely recommend yeah. following him if you want to just be part of these conversations and figuring out those edges. Uh, I read this question on Twitter and it, it really, I started going to the ADP and I was like, it kind of threw me for a loop a bit. So I think uh, John, he's exaggerating a little bit about a Rosarena going that high, but but his point is it's, he's the same type to me as the Brian Reynolds thing where it's yeah. like, Am I really going to take Brian Reynolds with, you know, my third pick or Rose Rainey with my third pick in a points based uh, situation? And I think that if you are at the turn, the one, two turn and, you know, Jay Ram and Trey Turner are sitting there, there's Kyle Tucker's around there, Kyle Schwarber. After that, it's a big fall off it after especially. Time. So I think Tucker's like that last, like really premium outfielder. Schwarber's right there too. Um, I, I still, I just want one of them and then, uh, you can combine it with like J Ram or, uh, Trey, but I think that's a case. I hadn't even thought about this until, you know, that question was asked and I'm talking it through out loud here, but I think it's a case that, um, it's, you know, more beneficial to have, you don't necessarily need the first pick, but I think having like a top seven or eight pick again, to just mm-hmm. secure one of those outfielders is uh, really advantageous this year. That brings me to a question then. How does the draft order get determined? It's just random when you go okay. in. Um, and again, that's why a lot of people like to play from a, a volume perspective, because let's say you do a hundred drafts. Let's just say you got the first pick nine times. Uh, maybe you don't want to take Aaron judge all of those. Like maybe you want to mix in, you know, a Juan Soto or Ron Acuna or however it is you want to go about it. But um uh, but yeah, I definitely think if you go in your draft and you get, you know, a top seven, eight pick that it's, you know, something worth smiling about. And to John's point, uh, his question about what to recommend, looking at those point totals from like even Trey and J Ram versus Schwarber is a big difference. And um, I think, like you said, like there's people who are smarter than us who are going to plug some stuff into projection systems and mm-hmm. figure some of the stuff out, what the optimal move there is. Uh I don't want to be too sensitive about the outfield is scarce thing. And I want to lean into the idea that points are points and they're going to come from everywhere. So I think that by the end of round one, one of J Ram or Trey or Freddie Freeman or Vlad or whichever infielder falls is, you know, basically a must have there. And then uh, I would love to compare, to pair them with Tucker. And yeah, it looks like after Schwarber is, you know, the really big fall off for outfield. 
Yeah, projection-wise, it goes like 11, 1,200 points real quick. So it's a, you're talking about like a 400-point gap after a while, and that, that adds up a ton. Um, I'm going to ask this because he asked it. If you can't answer it, I totally get it. Um, the real Motown Mauler said, why can't they play underdog in Michigan anymore? It's, I'm pretty sure it's like all gambling or not gambling sites, fantasy sites that um, you can only do them in certain states based on certain litigation that's out of your control. Yeah, I can't um, <laughs> keep up myself with it. And it's not just underdog. It's, uh, you it's know, everything. whether it's, you know, FanDuel or DraftKings or whatever uh, gambling or fantasy site um, goes out there. So I personally can't even keep up where I live in Massachusetts. You can do everything on underdog, but you can't. Uh, but we don't have sports betting. Yeah. So um, it's, you know, every state's different. The laws change you know seemingly you know every few years or something so um it's not an underdog thing like we want to be as everywhere we can be obviously and so it's more just like a state thing that's gonna um you know eventually take some time to fully roll out i think it'll look a lot different five ten years from now yeah um not just for us but for you know the whole industry it's just so weird because like you said in massachusetts you get that example i know arizona you can bet and play like DK FanDuel now, but you can't play NFBC. Like in Vegas is the biggest gambling area of the world. You can't play DFS. Like what are we doing here? It makes it just the whole thing is just, it's all about money for politicians. Just remember that in the end. That's, that's what it's all about. And until the right things happen, that's just how it's going to be. Um, let's see here. Oh, John, uh, MLB moving average. You mentioned how smart he is. It's like, I know he is. Uh, he also said, I have a good tip for novices. Um, Cause drafts move fast. If at the computer, open a second tab with rankings rather than shift by queue mid-draft. He just has the site and the second tab saved. Helps things a lot. Makes sense. Um, from the GTE Game of the Edge Discord, any insight into what they're thinking for size of their contest they'll release closer to the season? You mentioned the $25 one. How big do you think that's going to roll? Because that's your big guy. That's, that's obviously what you're going for. How big do you think that's going to be? Yeah, so that's a great question. It hasn't been finalized yet. We try to get bigger every year. Uh, I do know for sure that it'll be $25. Um, it'll be called the Dinger. That's the same as last year. Again, that's kind of like the best ball mania version of uh, what we have for baseball. And then there will be another, most likely $5 tournament around that same time. So um, one of my biggest pushes just, you know, with, you know, my job and everything is to, you know, really get this word out about this uh, bullpen tournament. And I think the better that this tournament does and then the better that, the dinger does and then the better that the in-season stuff does um you know there's a lot of really cool i think one thing underdog's been known for um not so much on the baseball side yet but with our other sports is just having interesting contests like for football we have like a rookies and sophomores thing like i'd love to do something like that with baseball i'd love to do um like a pitching only tournament with baseball it's funny you mentioned that because his second question here have they thought about other formats like they do with football, maybe NL, AL only, smaller drafts that use actual positions like first base, second base? So similar, he said all pitch, you know, like you, like an NL only draft or an AL only draft or stuff like that. Is that so? Is that something you sounds like you want it to go there, but we kind of have to build the product up first to expand to that? Yeah. So I'm that stuff that's on my mind, you know, rookies and sophomores, pitching only, second half of the season, um, you know. All sorts of things like that. We had, we did have a playoff contest last year that was really cool. Um, so all sorts of things like that are definitely on my mind and things that I'm constantly pushing for. And so far, the bullpen's doing like really well. Uh, it's almost like 40% filled already. It's only been a couple weeks. 
Um, and yeah, the better that all that stuff does, the more I think that we'll be able to get out there, uh, you know, in terms of like interesting and different contests. Cause what's going to happen is a lot of, uh, you know, things like the bullpen and the dinger, this scoring format, it will eventually get um, exposed and it will be efficient. And then eventually we're going to need to throw another wrinkle. Uh, and then eventually we'll have to have all these other tournaments. I find it funny. Like one thing we didn't even talk about here is like all like the rule changes and everything. Oh, yeah. and, and, and that's just like, there's players changing teams, the rule changes, the different score. Like there's so many different ways to come in and attack. Um, not just our best ball right now, but you know, just, fantasy in general every yep. year the past four years it feels like we've something's been always with something. different something like which baseball are they going to use like there's so many things that are going to change uh, in in that reality um and then you know for fun i think i know your answer here but he also said do you anticipate baseball being the second biggest sport for season-long best ball <laughs> uh that's a good question i'd have to look at the numbers um again i'm not an nba person at all um, but I'm not sure uh, how they do, but um, you know, I'm very focused on baseball and making it as big as it can be. So, um, you know, I, I love talking with, you know, people like yourself who are just like, it's January and, you know, we're trying to figure out, you know, the Diamondbacks depth chart. Like, I love that stuff. <laughs> that's what we live for. And that's why uh, we're going to try to fill this bad boy up. We're going to have to make a bullpen too here. That's that's the goal. Just like you with the puppy. You have like four puppies. Like, we're going to make a bunch of bullpens. We're gonna, we need depth charts for that. Um, Jason at Train says, the 11th, 12th is outfield depth because I agree. Can't pass on two. Of, oh, he's answering John's thing. Um, but uh, – but if you go two infielder spots, you're essentially sitting on one of Mullins, Robert, at the next turn, assuming you don't want two pitchers. Okay, so that's where he's at there. But then he also had another question here that uh, dropped while we were recording. I'm trying to figure out how much to care about stacking. This is a great question. It's quite hard to do with the elite offenses, but even some of the mid to upper mid-tier offenses are hard to stack without really reaching. Uh, it's, it's a great question because like we saw it a few years ago, if you stack like the Jays, you crushed. Um, there's always certain teams that go nuts. It's obviously also kind of hard based on the draft. Like, how do you make it work? Do you reach? So on and so forth. Like, I made the joke in NFBC right now. Like, the Brewers are super cheap, and you wouldn't be shocked if they were productive. I'm assuming they're pretty cheap in this format, too. I haven't even looked, but I'm guessing they are. Have you seen a strategy like that work where stacking a team? Because it makes sense, especially in an overall. If that team goes bonkers, your team's going to elevate quickly. And we see it in DFS, but it's different for season long. Have you, have you thought of that at all or seen that at all? Yeah, so I want to shout out um, my guy. He's on Twitter. It's um, it's like at it's baseball, but it's you know at b three i s b o l. He's yeah. doing a lot of um, analysis on you know underdog uh, MLB best ball, and he's exploring the idea of stacking. And again, this is something that I'm gonna, about to get my hands on, like how 2022 teams did stacking wise. Um, but he has some theories uh, about the optimal approach and something that we're looking at together is it's not so much about like, okay, I'm going for this one blue Jay stack and I'm going to take six blue Jays hitters. It's more about having a few mini stacks and trying to view the game through spike weeks. So like what I talked about with like aces and starting pitchers, if you get that two start week from Garrett Cole and he goes off, like you're going to score so many points just from him. And if you have three blue Jays, four angels and four red Sox, And it works out that they have a ton of games that week and they have a ton of great matchups. And, you know, all those teams just, you know, go off. You're going to be in a really good position. So uh, I'll have some data to back this up coming out, you know, before the season starts, of course, but in general, it's not 
about, you know, here's my one stack and I have six players from that team. It's about having a few mini stacks built in, especially with players who hit near each other in the order. So like having Vlad with like Danny Jansen, isn't going to like do a whole lot, but if uh, you know, you get those top of the order guys, like, Brandon, if you're going for a Mets stack, like Brandon Nimmo, because we know he's going to lead off, is going to be like an example of someone who's really interesting. I like that too, because also he's an OBP machine. So that's a very intriguing option. Um, Yeah, because I remember doing like uh, the NFL best balls, and you do make a point to try to stack a bit um, and, and go from there. And I'll retweet best uh, at baseballs. um, Like you mentioned, his, he, commented earlier in the day he's got a whole spreadsheet and all kinds of cool stuff for people that are new to it i'll retweet that he, he attached it to our conversation um last question i have here um at chase underscore cop says that's with two p's projections wise what is the best way to approach players that we expect to miss time due to injury suspension etc how many zeros do the season do, during the season is too many like fernando tatis might miss half month to a month uh Brandon, byron buxton guaranteed to miss a couple months so on and so forth like so how, how do you kind of project that in grand scheme like how many zeros is too many i think it's a great question because again it's something that we're used to with football if a player's gonna start the season hurt i think uh a big one um obviously for season-long fantasy but for this format too because he is going to be outfield eligible is like bryce harper like how long can you go taking those zeros but you're trying to get Bryce Harper on your team for the final rounds of the Dinger tournament when all the money is being made. So uh, this is, you know, very obvious, but you would want your players to be healthier towards the end of the season. So if someone's going to miss time, it's better. Like I'd almost rather take Bryce Harper because I know he's going to miss all this time up front, but then hopefully he's just going to come back and be fine. Where it's like Byron Buxton. I don't know if I'm going to have Byron Buxton in September, uh, when the money's being made sort of thing. Uh, so I think, again, th- these are like great questions. Uh, and I'm really excited to be at the forefront of the conversation about all of them. And I would say that when it comes to someone like Harper or Tatis, if you can start building some of those st- like, let's say you get the first pick and you get Soto, maybe you should reach a little bit more on Tatis. Cause then you'll have that stack uh for you know september if you've started out with trey turner and uh reese hoskins or you know whatever it is like maybe reach a little bit on harper um to get him on your team as well so uh again there's this contest as presently constructed only has one year of data and not even all of that has come out although we le- we did learn a lot of stuff during the season um so we're at the forefront of a lot of things right now and uh again we're still talking like macro level stuff and if anyone just scrolls up ADP and says, you know, I think that this player is undervalued, uh, like like if someone did that with Paul Goldschmidt last year and they were drafting him everywhere, then, you know, there's there's a lot of opportunities to be ahead of the curve right now. I love it. I love it. This has been a, a great conversation. I look forward to uh, chatting with you more on this uh, as as the season, either in DMs or we do another show or whatever it is, because it's really fun to dig. I, I enjoy the other format idea things like Obviously, I, I do these podcasts for a while to uh, do you know season long content, but there's something about this that just makes your mind work differently. Kind of, it's it's very intriguing. Like you said, you're we're baseball guys. This is what we do. Like we love digging into to whatever, and they kind of all work together if you do it the right way. So I'm I'm a big big fan of that. Um, before we head out of here, go ahead and plug everything you want to plug with underdog, whatever you got going on, where they can find you, all that good stuff. Yeah, so um, I'm on Twitter at too much tuma. Uh, I kind of have like three things going on. It's, you know, underdog, 
um, work for them and we have our Twitter accounts. All my underdog specific content is on underdog network. Um, I then have uh, my own free sub stack, which is kind of just where I write to try to be creative and different. I like writing about prospects and dynasty and just whatever randomly is on my mind. And then I also have a Patreon that's only $5 a month where I go, you know, a lot deeper on prospects and dynasty. And again, I also just, you know, sports betting stuff had a good year last year and um, things like that. So like you said, like um, very similar to you where it's, you know, I'm not just, you know, we're not just Roto players, Uh, you know, we're baseball fans and there's a lot of different ways to attack it and enjoy the game. And what I find is I have to remind myself every now and then to just sit back and watch a game and not have action on it and not care about my fantasy team and, you know, just watch baseball uh, for the enjoyment of it. So um, yeah. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Like I think what's also great, I kind of didn't really mention it, but say during the season, you just want to do like a daily tournament, but you don't want to do like DFS where you have to like worry about money and all these positions. Like, just do a quick like one and then you have a little action for the night and you're good. Like it's, it, you don't really think you get a draft spot and you pick a team. Like yep. there's really no, no consequences of it. It's, it's fun in that regard as well. And it'll help you learn the format some more. I'll tell you that much. If you're kind of nervous, play those, play those ones. I, I, we want you to play these, the bullpen and stuff. Don't get me wrong, but say you're nervous. Well, come on in when the season starts, do the little three man ones and get you to learn it that way. You'll, 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 you'll pick up on some trends. Won't help you win all the money like you will in the bullpen, but you can have some fun doing it. That's for sure. But um, yeah, we're gonna wrap it up there. I had a great, great, great chat. Uh, make sure you guys follow Brendan on Twitter at Too Much Tuma. Make sure you go to Underdog Fantasy and get all the goodies there because it's gonna be a fun year playing uh, the bullpen and other things for fantasy baseball purposes, and then in season props and much, much more. Go to Gaining the Edge on Patreon and join us there, or just sign up at uh, Underdog if you're new. Use promo code GTE for 100% match bonus on your first deposit up to $100. All right, everybody, this is Bench with Bubba, episode 534. Catch you guys later.